Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with a decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Hour of the Burns and Gambo show. The Coyotes last time out beat the Buffalo Sabres by a score of four to one tonight. Maybe the one night Gambo won't root for the Coyotes because they're in New York taking on the Islanders. They, we call them the four-time Stanley Cup champion Islanders. Please, let's, let's please refer to them with the right to the right way. So with respect, put a little respect on their name. Four-time Stanley Cups. Yeah, well, only the only that's the last and I, the the last professional sports team to win four in a row in any sport, major sport, was the Islanders. NBA, hockey, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, nobody's won four in a row. So we welcome in Since President and CEO of the Coyotes, Javier Gutierrez, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show, our weekly visit with the Coyotes front office. That's what you're fighting tonight, Javier. Gambo's, it's the one time out of the year, two times out of the year, where Gambo's not on the Coyotes' side because it's the Islanders. I hope you're prepared for that. Hey guys, always great to talk to you. And yeah, you know, uh, Gamble warned me the very first time we met. I'll war- I'll, I'll root for you every game except when they play my Islanders. That's so right. But here, I w- here we go. I do hope you beat the hell out of the Rangers. You know, <laughs> anytime you play them, I know we lost to them by a goal. It was close, but I, I always when you play them, I hope you kill them. Well, you know, we, we've been playing really well, and, uh, you know, this road trip has really shown the metal of this team. And, and, again, we've said over and over again, the creation of a culture of competition, and uh, you're seeing it uh, every game there. All right, we're, uh, we're definitely going to get into the city of Tempe and whether they're going to decide to if the vote's going to go to citizens in a second. But you had four home games, and I want to get you, what did you hear about the four home games? What were your impressions? Did everything go smooth? And what were some of the things that were being said about uh, the Mullet Arena for you guys? Well, it, it went incredibly well. You know, the the reaction from our fans, from our players, and, and from the visiting team was just overwhelmingly positive. Um, you guys were there. It, it's an electric environment. It really is loud. Uh, you have a lot of energy. There's no bad seat in the house, and it's brand new. And uh, we kept saying this uh, prior to uh, the home opener that we thought it would be one of the best, uh, most fun time you would have at an NHL uh, game. And and we really think that it uh, it was that and more. I think a couple of things that surprised us uh, were the ice. Uh, I think you guys heard uh, the players, not only from the Coyotes, but from the visiting team, talking about how good the ice was, how fast, um, and, uh, and also making comments about just what a great environment it was. And so we're very pleased. Obviously, we had a lot of lessons learned about things that we can continue to improve. But overall, it was exactly what we had envisioned, which is a phenomenal experience and environment uh and again a temporary solution as we seek to build a permanent solution there and staying in tempe candidly since you're going to be in this temporary home for a while what what would you like to improve i mean beyond the obvious of the annex that's still being built and is expected to be done upon your return what what now that you kind of have four games under your belt what would you like to get better at when it comes to this new building you're playing in Honestly, we want to lean even more into it being an experience. Uh, you know, the, the vision that you saw of 5,000 people wearing mullet wigs 
having a great time, the student section and the energy that you get from young people. We want to do even more of that. And so the things that we're looking at is, is even more entertainment, even more activity, even more of the things that make it a great experience. I have so many people come up to me, tell me, this is a good time. This is exciting. This is fun. And uh, a great uh, great opportunity to expose the game of hockey to what we've said all along, are not only super serving the fans, but, but exposing the sport to our fans in waiting. And so we, we want to lean even more into that. And so that's, that's what we've been talking a lot about is, is more entertainment, more experiences, more giveaways, just more of a good time and to really bring fun uh, to that entire experience. All right, let's talk about about today, what's going on today? The city of Tempe is meeting to decide whether a uh, May special election ballot will include a public vote on whether either approving or rejecting your proposed arena and entertainment district. That's going to be tonight. What can you tell us about it? Well, we want to put everything in proper context. So tonight is a procedural vote. What you have is a 180 day notice requirements per Arizona state law that says if you're going to have a vote, you have to give uh, the public 180 days notice. So if you wanted to do a vote in uh, May, you have to reserve that today. And so the city council is simply making a decision uh, and approving or rejecting whether or not they want to have that date reserved. Um, obviously, we know that uh, that our project is being considered by the city. They still have have uh, multiple public hearings that they've put on the docket for later this month. The city council could still approve or reject uh, our our proposed project. Uh, So tonight is really more of a procedural vote. The substantive discussion on our project is going to occur at these later public hearings. Uh, We have a plan review session on the 15th of this month and then two sessions with the city council on November 22nd and on November 29th that are specifically about our project. Was it always your expectation, the organization's expectation, that it would go to a public vote in the city of Tempe? What what was your anticipation when it came to the process and how that part of this was going to work, Javier? Yeah, well, we were always very confident that the proposal that we were putting forth is really a a transformative uh, project. And we were always uh, really saying, and you've heard me say this a number of times, this is the right project with the right deal structure, with the right team to execute on it. And so that's where we always started. And we wanted to first, again, go through the process of presenting this to the city council and having them, you know, run this process of approval and negotiation and really what we've been doing. And in the back, there was always this um, this opportunity that we knew uh, to bring this to the voters and to bring it to the Tempe uh, voters and have them have a say. Obviously, you guys are well aware Arizona state law uh, says that uh, any legislative act of which an approval of a deal like this or the zoning or the general plan amendment that would be required were all going to be legislative acts. And so we always knew this was uh, potentially part of the process. We were never concerned about that necessarily being uh, the case, uh, either one way or another. And so we were always very well prepared from day one about what this entire process could possibly look like. 
And, uh, you know, we're leaning into the fact that obviously the council could potentially take it uh, to a referendum. Um, and uh, you'll be hearing some of that tonight during uh, the public hearing. That's, I'd, I'd be a little worried. Anything's risky when you go to a public vote. I mean, it's just a certain percentage of people that are just going to vote no. I mean, they're just going to vote no on projects. They don't want it. They don't want the congestion. They don't want the traffic. They don't want the uh, the issues with the airport. They don't want to, you know, with tax, whatever it is. They, people, so that's the risk. So I would imagine that the, if that happens, the next plan for you is how do you get your message out to the voters that would likely vote no to sway them to vote yes? Well, it's a very similar process that we've been going through since uh, the last public hearing in June when we were able to begin getting out into the community. And we start again. This is the right project. It's an opportunity to turn a landfill into a landmark. It's an opportunity to create uh, something where you haven't had any economic activity in terms of this uh, piece of property that the city owns uh, on the corner of Princeton Rio Salado. And so you start by just explaining great project. Then you start explaining the deal. And the deal is very simple. It's a $2.1 billion sports and entertainment district that is going to be privately financed. Now, there is a component of this that there is public infrastructure that needs to be paid for. And in that instance, the city will issue bonds whose sole collateral is gonna be our land and our real estate, and we're gonna be responsible for it through the economic activity that we're creating. And finally, we talk about us. We talk about the commitment that Alex Morello has shown. You're talking about a commitment of almost $30 million just to stay here. So not just everything we invested in ASU, with the annex, with the upgrade to Mullet Arena, but also upgrading our practice facility, moving our hockey and business operations. So you're talking about commitment. You're talking about a track record of success in multiple business lines. And you're talking about someone who has the resources and has shown the willingness to deploy those resources for the benefit of this organization and for the benefit of this community. And so that's how we feel confident that when you explain the, the project, the deal, and who we are, and then you get into the community benefits and the opportunity for us as an organization to be that community leader that we have shown ourselves to be, then we think that's what will really sway the day for the voters in the city of Tempe to really embrace this opportunity to create something that will be iconic. All right. Well, Javier, we appreciate the conversation. As always, we uh, look forward to hearing how the meeting goes tonight and what the news that comes out of that is. And uh, again, congratulations on the good start for the organization on the ice. It has been uh, it's been fun to watch so far to start the season. Thank you. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. Always appreciate your support and, and hope to see you guys soon at the mullet. Thanks, Javier. Javier Gutierrez joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Coyotes taking on the Islanders tonight. And when we come back, he didn't get all the attention. In fact, we're five segments into the show and we've barely spoken of him. But once again, he was a key part of what the Suns did last night. That's coming up next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Booker using some clock, dribbling 30 feet away around his screen for Nate. Pull up 18 footer. Good for D. Book. He's got 30 on the night. 123, 110 with 235 to go. 
We've talked about Mikkel. We've talked about campaign. We've talked about Landry Shamit. Now, part of it was by design. Honestly, we, we were kind of not punting on a conversation about Devin Booker, but certainly we were trying to make this case of, man, look at all the things that worked so well for the Suns last night. That was an MVP-type performance from Devin Booker last night. I, I mean, just one of those, I am one of the best players in the NBA, and if you need a reminder, I'm going to go out there and just dominate Minnesota, right? But it's at the end of the game, it's not the first thing you're thinking about. You're thinking, about, wow, Mikhail was unbelievable. Oh, I can't believe that he could play like that. It's just, That's another level. Oh, campaign, no turnover. Wow, Cam was really good. Landry, Shamit, wow. Landry, look at Dario. Dario played a whole lot, and... You know, then you get to like, oh, ho-hum. You know, Book had like 30 and 10. Like, okay, like 10 assists. Yeah, 10 assists. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Because you you do, you get to that point where, look, we don't take him for granted, okay? We certainly don't take him for granted. But, like, we've come to expect him to do these things that it's just become the norm. So when Mikhail does what he does, it's like, wow, did you, I, I didn't know he was capable of that. That's, But Book does what he does. You're like, okay, ho-hum. Yeah, Book had 30 in 10. Yeah, 30 punch in 10. Rebounds. Like, 10 you're right. No, you're absolutely right. We just, again, not, we don't take it for granted. We know what he means. But it's just like, we're not sitting there, oh, did you see that game? Like, yeah, we've seen that a hundred times. We've seen it a hundred times. It's, it's, that's what he does. Look, that's him. It's, you, you, I hope you know this. I think you do. I, I think most of us, people who are in a position to generously give to a charity every year, right? You give to a charity every year, and whether you want to believe it or not, they come to count on that. They come to expect. I've saved a lot of whales and dolphins over you, the years. You know, right? A like, lot like of whales I, and dolphins. A few charities that uh, that I always, every year, I always make sure I, I send some money to, right? And you they come to expect that money. They come to expect that you'll be making another charitable donation. And when yeah. you don't, it's like, well, well, wait a minute. You've every year for the last 15, you've given to us what's, what's wrong. What happened? They and just, they count you in their budget. They do. And, and that's a good way of putting it. They count you in their budget. When they do their budget for the next year, they know that that money's coming. We count Devin Booker in our budget. We do. We do. We count Devin mm-hmm. Booker in our budget. Yeah. Not that 30 and 10 assists, but we, Count on Devin Booker having amazing games in our son's budget every single night. And when he doesn't have one, see, that's that's the opposite to what you're talking about here. We all lose our minds when Mikel Bridges has 31 and takes a career-high 20 shots. On the other side of that, we lose our minds when Devin Booker goes 5 for 17. Because it doesn't happen a whole right? lot. Right? It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, Devin Booker last night, he was really bad. Why? Because we didn't. We don't budget for that. No. We don't plan on him being like that. Just we, a ho-hum 32 points and 10 assists. Just and like, and that's not fair to Book, right? I mean, it's... it's No, he's valued. He's appreciated. He's loved. And then he got... But we, we have come to expect the greatness on a regular basis. Look, here's the reality. He's an established star in this league, and he takes a a lot of pressure off of all the, all the other guys. He allows them to play freely and play loose, knowing that he's there. You've got that security blanket there in Devin Booker. Shot clock's winding down. You can't get just get it to him. He'll get the shot off. Game's on the line, and you, you just get it to him. He'll take care of it. His his presence, and I can kind of relate this to Hopkins' presence. And remember, we were talking about Hopkins and the, just him being there makes everybody. Devin Booker's presence on the court for the Phoenix Suns allows every single player on that team, takes a lot of pressure off of those guys, and allows them to play loose. It allows them to play, free, to play freely. They can make a mistake, and it's not going to cost them the game because they got Devin Booker on the other side, and he'll take care of things. So he makes everybody better just by being out there. Yeah. That's, the, that's the truth. Yeah, he does. After the game, uh, this is courtesy Dwayne 
Rankin of AZ Central, um, he talked about it. This is something we talked about with Booker, too. Team ball and how important it is that everybody was involved last That's night. That's always big for us, man. That's what we stand by. You know, playing the right man of basketball. You know, we have a lot of talented guys. We're at full roster. Um, you know, really good players that don't get the chance to play that in the rotation now. So everybody's taking advantage of the opportunity. That's the other element about Devin Booker's game last night is, is he had, you know, he played a bunch of minutes and scored a bunch of points. He did the same thing a couple nights ago against Philly, and when he was the only one doing it, we're like, okay, careful. Don't go play in Devin Booker 43 minutes, 44 minutes. You do that every night, you're going to wear the guy out, right? So there's a line that you, you, you want you want to see Devin Booker do well, but you also need to see other guys around him do well. It can't just be him every single night. You want it to be him every single night, but it can't be on an island by himself all the time, right? He's got to have help, because if it's just him, then it's it's never going to work for them long term if it's just him by himself. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, and that's why they've surrounded him. And that's that's why we talk so much about fit on this show and not best player. And, you know, listen, would Luka Doncic and Devin Booker have worked? I don't know. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Would D'Angelo Russell have worked? I, no. Like, there are guys that you can look at great players in this league and say, that doesn't work with Devin Booker. Like, you've got a star player. Like, you can't have ball-dominant guys that you don't want to, you know, and, and then Booker doesn't touch the ball for three minutes because you've got a ball-dominant guy that wants to go one-on-one and try to score all the time. No, that's interesting. Didn't we assume that Booker and Kevin Durant was going to work? Then we he doesn't, but Durant doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. You've got a point guard that's going to dictate who's going to get the shots and where. With a lot of the other guys, D'Angelo Russell being a guard and having to have the ball, Luka Doncic being a guard and having that, like he has to have the ball in his hand. Durant is a, just a great scorer. He's a spot up scorer. He can score in a different way, but he's not going to bring the ball up the court and dictate what's going to happen. No, I, I, I get, I get that distinction. I guess I was thinking of it more from a shot standpoint, like. If they had gotten, hypothetically, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's cutting into Devin Booker's shots. I mean, he's just not getting as many. You're not when you have one of the premier offensive players of the last 30 years of the game playing next to you. I tend to think it would be other guys that are not, like, Chris Paul's not going to get his shots this year. He's not going to get them. He's not getting his shots this year. Like they, like the game has changed. The Suns' game has changed. Has changed even with Chris on the court. Like Chris is, they've changed it. And you know, we'll have a conversation maybe tomorrow about how Da's role has been affected by you know by what's going on with Chris. Um, but I would tend to think that like you've got you know you. So you don't some, think Devin Booker's shots would have been impacted at all had they gotten Kevin Durant? Like no. He, wow. No, he's a superstar in this league. Super, he may make sacrifices here and there at the end of games and things like that. If Durant's hot and he's not missing, I mean, you smartly just go to Durant. Like, go to Durant. Like, he's, he's hit five shots in a row. He's on fire. He's having a great, like, just let's go to him. But through the course of a game, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of shots that go up in a basketball game. I don't think Devin Booker would have been affected that much by Kevin Durant being here. I, I don't mean a lot. I, I don't you don't miss two yeah, shots a game. I'm, I'm thinking a couple shots a game less that, I mean, he's, maybe, that he's making. You know, to, to kind of accommodate this Kevin Durant I'm playing with. He's got to make sure he gets his shots too. You know what? This can absolutely be a question that we can ask Kellen Olson. We'll talk with our Suns guru about all things NBA. Devin Booker, the Suns, the big win last night. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with. Ah, uh, jeez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. 
So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Our weekly visit with our son's guru from ArizonaSports.com, who, as always, wrote a tremendous recap of last night's win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. You can find it on ArizonaSports.com. I'm talking, of course, about Kellen Olson, who joins us for his weekly segment here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hi, Kellen. Hi, guys. We're doing it over the phone. Only a one-time thing, I think. But, hey. Hey. Well, let's, it is weird yeah. doing it over the phone. What, what's, yeah. Everything all right? You okay? You need us to blink twice if you need some help. We'll send some. No, I'm good. This is just actually my day off, but I never have a day off for you guys. But, oh. you know, with gas the way it is, not going to drive all the way over there. Just exactly. To, don't yeah. love you guys that much. Gas prices. $25 just to come in and do the show. Crazy. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Callum, we were talking about, wow, Mikhail Bridges and the, the level that he played at last night and just proven what he's capable of doing if given the opportunity to be a scorer. And then Landry Shaman and campaign. And, and all of a sudden, then you get to the, oh, and by the way, Booker had 32 points and 10 assists. Just ho-hum. Just, uh, and I said it, we don't take book for granted, but man, we've really come to expect those efforts and when he does it, it's just it's, it's not top story when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. We just expect Devin Booker to play that great every time out. Yeah, it's a really good point because I think the thing that Book does too, and we noticed this last year when Chris Paul went out with a thumb injury, is he changes his play style. Like You look at some of the the passes that he was making, there was one that I tweeted today where he was like midway through his shooting motion and then passed to Mikel Bridges right next to him when Anthony Edwards, Bridges' man, came to contest his shot. And that's like a Chris Paul move entirely. That Chris will be halfway through shooting motion and pass all the time. So Book just has a way of kind of commanding the offense in two totally different ways, and he often just meshes them together at the same time. But what he's been able to do the last couple of years, and I think the last two years specifically, is really learning how to move that slider when the team needs it. And for last night's game, it was a lot more about his playmaking and just him putting the pressure he normally does on the defense but doing it for his teammates more than him. He always does both, but it's just that slider that he moves so well. And, and like right now, we're going to see more of the, the point book that we've come to know. And that de- version of Devin Booker, along with many others, is really, really good at basketball. As Gambo would say, not for nothing, but we, we not for nothing. We kind of stumbled into this conversation in the last segment. It's a purely hypothetical. Given Devin Booker's level of superstardom that he's achieved, how much do you think his game would have changed at all, if at all, with the arrival of Kevin Durant. Had that happened this summer, how different do you think Devin would be playing next to a superstar like that? Uh, I think it would have changed and, and it would have helped him become a better player in the, in the long run and just look back to when Chris Paul originally got here. I mean, even go three years ago when Ricky Rubio originally got here and, and Devin just handing over the reins of the offense and, and more specifically just the team. I think that we all kind of talked about this a couple of games into the year, how it's apparent that this year is a Devin Booker team. And before the last two years, it was a Chris Paul team. That's just kind of how teams in basketball work. And, and look, he would have been okay with passing that off, just like in the same way where in clutch time it's been him and Chris Paul kind of trading those shots. 
it would have been Kevin Durant leading the team in shot attempts. It would have been Kevin Durant being the leading scorer still because that's just the way that Booker has always played basketball. And for those of us in Phoenix who have been saying that for so long, we finally got really good evidence of it, if you guys remember, in the Olympics where that team just needed glue guys. There were a couple of stars. Durant was playing super well. Tatum got going at the end of the tournament. But they needed glue guys. And, and what did Devin Booker do? He was picking up guys full court. He was drawing offensive fouls on Rudy Gobert. He was out there diving on the court for loose balls. And he's just a, a basketball player. And, and I think that no matter what changes on the team and the dynamics, he'll adapt himself to what the team needs, which applies in that situation. It also applies to last night in these couple of games if, if Chris Ball is going to miss more time. All right, we've, we've watched a lot of Suns basketball. Have you seen, have you ever seen Mikael Bridges play a more complete game than he did last night? Yeah, I'm still picking game five against New Orleans just because it was just about this performance, but it was at a, in a 2-2 playoff series at home without Booker and what he was doing defensively in that game as well on C.J. McCollum was just astounding. But he, but it's right up there, Gambo. You'll remember game two of the NBA Finals as well when he had 25-plus, I want to say. But Sun fans have been talking about seeing this guy for a couple of years now. Even go back to his Villanova days, he was always an efficient player. And, and I wrote a story at the beginning of last season just writing about how the archetype is there for Mikel to go from a 3-and-D guy to a three-level score. Now, when I say three-level score, you're thinking of a guy who averages 25, 30 points per game. That's not what I'm saying necessarily, but Mikel last year, he shot 79% at the rim, which is incredible. And then two years ago, he shot 49% from the mid-range, which is really, really good already, but he was only taking about a shot and a half a game there. He more than doubled his attempts from the mid-range and shot 51%. He shot even better. And we all know that he's been a good three-point shooter, a great three-point shooter, in fact, the last two years. So that three-level score, the efficiency he has from all three areas of the floor, we've seen it enough now to to the point where 13 to 15 points per game just isn't acceptable anymore. He's got to go out there and just be more aggressive every single night. He has the talent right now to be averaging around 18 to 20 points per game. He really does. And, and that's, of course, where we start to talk about him. Well, is this guy an all-star then, probably? And it's like, yeah. Mikel's that good. He, he's been that good of an offensive player, but he's always been even more like Book, just such a team-friendly guy who hasn't wanted to take away opportunities from his teammates and hasn't wanted to be that guy. They need him to be that guy more consistently. It seemed like he really understood it last night. Kellen Olson, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, our son's guru from ArizonaSports.com. That, to me, was the key takeaway from not only the game last night, but the story that you wrote about it that I read this morning. A career high in shot attempts for Mikel Bridges might have been, to me, the most important element of last night's game because there, there's got to be that awareness of his team needing more out of him right now in this time. And I want to see more of that from him more of that awareness more of that aggression and that willingness to kind of be the guy to take those shots in the context of the offense yeah and Bernsey when he's going to get his buckets in those elbow sets that he runs when he's running around screens and things like that that's fine but there was a possession I highlighted in there when he ran a pick and roll with Dario Saric and the Timberwolves switched it and typically the Suns like to wait a second and then give the ball to the big in that situation when they've got a mismatch but before that thought even kind of entered everyone's mind and the, and the possession unfolded, Mikel was already pulling up for a three. And, and that's just the type of aggression that they need from him on a consistent basis and, and what they're going to need right now with the current state of the team. Because if you look across the Western Conference and even across the Eastern Conference, every single team has at least two pretty dynamic offensive players. And the Suns right now, 
if they don't have that type of scoring from Chris Paul, even his playmaking, if it's there, if they don't have that type of scoring from him, they're going to need someone to step up as a secondary scorer. And it can be a combination of Mikel and DeAndre. It doesn't have to just be one of them. But they need that type of offensive balance and can't be so relying on Devin Booker because I think Dallas is really the only team you look at across the league that doesn't have that dynamic second score. They did last year when they had Jalen Brunson, but now it's just Luka, and that's why I think for as good as Luka is and as, as good as Jason Kidd has proven to be as a coach, I don't see them making a deep run, making a West Conference Finals finals run this year because you need offensive balance, and that's what the Suns need to do this year, continue to uh, develop Mikel, develop DeAndre, so they can have that type of threat that every other team in the league that wants to contend has. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm always fascinated by the way James Jones is, you know, for a guy that played with superstars, how he doesn't chase stars, he doesn't look to get. Uh, let's just get the best players. And you know, for a long time, I always believed we always believed that go get the best players. You get the the, the more best players you have, that you'll win. And it's just, man, it's not his philosophy. It's not the way he builds a team. I mean, he, trust me, when he makes the Jay Crowder trade, he may not even get the best player, but he's a fit GM. He's all about fit. What fits? Where? Where does it fit? How does it fit? Campaigns game last night. Landry Shamit, Dario Sarich, Landale. Just the way he fits these pieces in, it's almost like, yeah, Chris Paul's out. Cam Johnson's out. You don't have Jay Crowder. Scored 129 points last night. They've got guys that are very capable of scoring if you need it to be. And But the most important thing is the fit, how they fit with the team, their ability to shoot, their ability to play defense, their ability to you know get out and run when they want to run or play half court when they want to play half court. It's really fascinating compared to how we've grown up watching basketball with the with the two star process, yeah, Gambo. And if you make a trade for a guy that isn't necessarily the right fit, that can kind of throw everything off on the entire team because of how balanced it is. Look right at D'Angelo Russell, right? Look at D'Angelo Russell. He doesn't fit in Minnesota now. No, he doesn't. And we were yelling his name from the rooftop three years ago every day because the Suns didn't even have a point guard at all. And, and now they've sort of put enough together to say the least from a foundational standpoint where we don't even need to think about names like that, but. Whenever we see the Suns acquire someone, we watch them play for five minutes. We're like, oh, duh. Like, you watch Torrey Craig, and you're like, that's a James Jones guy. We watch Jock Landale for five minutes. That's a James Jones guy. And it just goes on and on. And whoever they acquire for Jay Crowder, we're going to watch them play their first rotation minutes for the Suns and be like, yep, that, that's a James Jones guy. If you didn't know, now you know. Jay Crowder, same kind of thing. Chris Ball obviously speaks for himself. He goes on and on down the list. Through their rotation, Landry Shaman has shown that this year for sure. So they always find that balance. They always find those guys who fit well. And it's part of why he was executive of the year last year, and he's one of the best GMs in the league right now, without a doubt. Enjoy the rest of your day off, Kellen. Well-earned. Sorry we had to spoil it with this 10-minute appearance on Burns and Gambo. You going tonight, Burns? Are you going? Wakanda forever? No, I am not. I am not. Oh, I am not. Ooh, good luck on the timeline. I'm going. I can't risk it. Oh, I'm not looking at your timeline then. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything about it. Nope. Not don't look at anyone. That's what I'm. Not, I know. Yeah. I'll not, let you know. Nope. Not doing it at all. Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kellen Olson. Oh, was that? Was that good? Uh, that was. That was all right. Really good. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Uh, text us your thoughts right now. The FanDuel text line is open right now at six twenty six twenty. Kellen knows how to just cut right deep into my soul. You going to the movie? No. I didn't even know it was out. But yeah. Yeah, it's 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 gonna make a lot of a lot of money this weekend. Yeah, it was a good movie. The first one, was really great. good. Yeah, really good one. First time. Uh, when we come back on Burns and Gebo, yesterday during our show, we had a lot of questions regarding the Arizona Cardinals last night and today. We got some clarity. We'll explain next here on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We got a lot of uh, 
answers that we were looking for last night. This is another one of our hard knock segments here. As we, uh, it was Gambo's idea, and it was a really good one. There's just kind of so much to digest from that first episode of Hard Knocks, and I don't know if it's going to be like this every week or not. But since this was the first one, there was just a lot to take in with what we saw, and we spent one segment talking about Budo. We already laughed a little bit about Cliff with a picture of a lion and a crown in his house, and <laughs> how everybody has something unusual in their house. Really, they they really really do. Um, I tell you, one of the best parts, I mean, it wasn't great to watch it, but one of the most interesting parts to to come out of last night was kind of what we learned about what happened to Kyler in the Seattle game, how he hurt the hamstring, and in particular, the conversation, and I'm doing the air quotes with that, the conversation he had with DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline during that game. Yeah. Because we got all inside yeah. of that, didn't we? Yeah, and he used the same terminology that he used with Cliff. Let me play to, it. To D-Hop. Yeah, let me play it here for you. Boy, what you looking at, bro? What you see? Bro, you don't like that? You don't like the scene? You don't like the scene on the 50? Come on, come on, bro. That's wide open. Hey, offense, let's go. Let's go. Offense, offense, offense. Let's go. Offense, let's go. That's am trying to Listen, same deal. Nothing. Listen, nothing they're doing, right? <laughs> Calm the blank Calm down. The down. Is how that like pe- a marriage now, D Hop? <laughs> How many how many people have Kai's Kyle is told to calm the blank down? I was say, that's a good one, Mitch. Yeah. Mm. How do you feel now, D Hop? Eh, it's just like a marriage. But you know what? Here's the thing. Is that I tend to think that stuff like that happens on NFL sidelines every single Sunday. Sure. sure. With everybody. It's not just a Kyler thing. It's not just a D-Hop thing. That's a football thing, man. That's a, that's probably a high school football thing, right? It's, yes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. D-Hop, I'm wide open. Why didn't you see me? What are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, all the time. Yeah, all the time. You're a wide receiver. You're always open. So you're always telling the quarterback, I was open. Yeah. So, I mean, he, they're going back at it. Listen, D-Hop was very, in, in the first two games, they got the ball to Hop a lot. What they go to Rondell Moore two times the amount of times they went to Hop in this game? Went to Rondell Moore a lot yeah, more than they went to D Hop. Like eight targets, like nine double the targets, targets, like almost double the targets. Like like, D Hop had five. So D Hop, D Hop knows. I, listen, I have to be involved in this offense for us to win. You got to give me the ball. But that was you, you know you got to see it. I mean, Hop was like, "What are you looking at? You know what are you seeing?" Like, and that's what we're all listening. D Hop, we're saying the same thing. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> They like it's like there's play wide open. Like what are you? We're saying the same thing. D Hop is saying. Yeah, what are you looking at? There was that part earlier in Hard Knocks where Kyler's in the quarterback room. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. And and the coach is showing it. And it wasn't Kingsbury. It was one of the others. Is showing in the film. And Kyler's like, oh man, he was wide open. And it wasn't that. It it's wasn't. Like, damn. It wasn't the play that that D Hop was yelling at him about. Like it was another game, more film, whatever. And he was. He he was just, he kind of had this look on his face like, oh man, he was wide open. He was wide. And they even got like the laser pointer on him. Like, see how open he is? Look, there's nobody there. There's nobody there. And, and Kyle was, yeah, damn, he was open, right? And, and yeah. that, I, I thought of you last night when I saw that. You know, I thought of you and the conversations that sure. we've had He's about missing, missing open guys. all the time. I mean, in every single play, and like I've continued to say, the problem with Kyler Murray is simply if the first guy is not open, he's in a boatload of trouble. If the first guy's open, he'll be dynamic. He'll be great. He'll get the guy, the ball will be accurate. He'll get, but if the first guy's not open, he's not going to, he's going to panic in the pocket. He's going to run out. He's going to look to run. It's not going to go through the second, the third, the fourth guys most of the time. So that's the big issue there right there. 
Kyler's the first, Kyler's first read. That's the, that's the read, man. That guy better be open, or the Cardinals' offense is in trouble. Kyler also on a late first half run, not the one where he fumbled, but a few plays before that. That's when he tells the trainer that he hurt his hamstring. I felt my <laughs> so I felt my. <laughs> Time will stretch it out. He then later, yeah. in a conversation after he fumbles, says in part that he really couldn't run full speed, almost implying that he would have outran yes. Ryan Neal, but because of his hamstring, he couldn't. Oh, Are you uh, so tweet. Oh, yeah. My I was jogging, fam. Not jogging, but like trying not to like fully open up on it. Couldn't, I couldn't fully open couldn't up. Couldn't fully open up on it. I was just trying to, okay, hamstring injury for Kyler. I mean, if that was the case, that limited him. I, now, listen, that doesn't, your hamstring hurting should not make you carry the ball like it's a loose sack of potatoes, you know? Hold on to the football. If you can't make the runs and the cuts, that's fine. But you can't fumble the ball there. That was a terrible, that was a devastating play for the Arizona Cardinals. I get it that he may not be able to run because the hamstrings, uh, you know, he's tweaked the hamstring a little bit. But that doesn't have any bearing on you fumbling the football and having it stripped from you. Hold on to the ball better. Tuck that thing. Make sure when you see somebody coming in that you put it away. Yep. Uh, By the way, when it comes to Kyler Murray's hamstring, the reports today out of practice, Kyler Murray was back on the practice field today. Remember yesterday, he was listed as a DNP. They didn't have a practice, but had they had one, Kyler wouldn't have been able to participate. He did practice today. I can tell you guys who were not out there, Buda Baker wasn't out there. He's already been ruled out. Uh, Cody Ford wasn't out there. Max Garcia wasn't out there. Rodney Hudson wasn't out there. Byron Murphy wasn't out there. DJ Humphreys wasn't out there. It's Thursday, and look at all those offensive linemen that were not out there. DJ Humphreys, Hudson, Max Garcia, Cody Ford. The offensive line this year is... And again, like we say this all the time, right? You can't make excuses. It is what it is. But man, nobody's been injured more than they have. I can't imagine we get to the end of the season and any team's lost more games through injury or suspension. Because I'll count the six games with D-Hop, star player, than the Arizona Cardinals have. But the offensive line, like the one area that you you kind of need to hold up more than any other because it makes everything else go, your running game, your pass protection, is the offensive line. And they've just been devastated by injuries. I mean, a lot of these, look, they're playing guys, they're playing guys that weren't even on the team a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. They're playing guys that weren't even here. So it's uh, it's it's been it's been really tough for them, but nothing you can do about it. You just got to go out there and you got a ball. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins also part of last night having that conversation with Isaiah Simmons, the two Clemson guys hanging out having dinner. It was interesting to see today a story. Bill Barnwell on ESPN.com wrote a story about the NFL players and coaches with the most to gain or lose in 2022, like for the rest of the season. And he listed like 35 guys, so I knew that a couple Cardinals would be mentioned. Yeah, Cliff absolutely was mentioned, as you would expect. Isaiah Simmons was also mentioned sure. as a guy who's got a lot to gain or lose the rest of this I, season. I think at this point, there's no way you don't pick up the fifth-year option. Agreed. There's just there's been too many... He had a big sack last week. He's, I mean, he's he's that interception. 
he, he may not be perfect in coverage, but who is? But he's an impact player that they're finding out that when that guy's on the field, he's got the ability to make game-changing plays. Avon Collins, too. I don't think there's any way we debate this. I think he's back. When we come back, Suns get the win. The Cardinals are in the spotlight. The free agent hot stove league in Major League Baseball starting to heat up. All of that is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.